everyone, welcome back to another episode of Explain It Slowly. No, this is wrong. <laughs> this is all wrong. We've been doing it the other way all along, haven't we? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I have a question for you. Ooh, jolly. Jolly. Um, what's it like learning to sign sign language? Oh, cool. Um, I love sign language, American Sign Language, because that's the only one I learn. Yeah. There's tons America, out there. America. No, no, oh, we're no. not. No, we don't do that. <laughs> Every language out there is equal. There's no one better than another. But I learn American Sign Language because we're in America and that's what people use. But um, I started learning American Sign Language because I needed a language requirement to graduate. And that's every college out there in America. Um, but I initially was going to take Vietnamese because I'm Vietnamese and I speak Vietnamese. However, when I went to take the placement exam, they're like, well, you can't write, but you can <laughs> speak. So we can't put you in any class. You kind of just have to start from the beginning. And I'm like, but I speak fluent Vietnamese I don't want to start from the beginning so I was like fine forget you and I was like I want to do Chinese because I watch a lot of Chinese drama and my family is Chinese but this but I never really learned Chinese so I don't really speak Chinese but I can understand Chinese so this is like the opposite of the <laughs> Vietnamese one I can understand Chinese and I can write a little bit of Chinese so what I don't remember if I ever took the placement Chinese exam. I don't think I did. No, I did not take the placement one. But I went and spoke with the the Chinese department director. And I spoke with them in Chinese. And they're like, well, you can understand. Well, okay, I didn't really speak. I can understand everything they said. And I was replying in English. And they're like, well, you can understand a lot. But you can't read or write or speak it. So you're going to have to start from the beginning again. And I'm like, but I don't want to do that either. So I was like, forget it. And then... A friend of mine was uh, enrolled in American Sign Language, and she's like, you should take this class. It's very easy. It's very fun because it's games every day. Like, we play games every day because that's how we learn. You know, it's not like textbook or anything like that. You don't look at a textbook and you just drill words and vocabulary. No, it's every day is we play games to so get used to the the signs. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And also a great thing for me learning sign language was when I was in college, I'm very, I was very shy. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't talk to strangers. I can't, I have trouble with public speaking. So sign language was the perfect language because I don't have to say anything. I just need to sign, move my hands around and that's how I can communicate. Just flail. The, the well, meaning no, will come out. No, no, <laughs> But like I, since there's no speaking, I don't need to worry about being in public and speaking to people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I did well, <laughs> like I, you know, and that was what propelled it me to take sign language mm-hmm. um i end up minoring in sign language because i mean need i think we we need a certain amount of classes to qualify for to to play to get um a minor no 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 we need a certain amount of classes to meet the re- the language requirement but then the the minor requirement is only a, f- like a number classes. of classes away from that. Mm-hmm. So might as well just get a minor. So I, that's what I did. Um, it was really fun. Like I said, every day was games. You know, every day we have a list of vocabularies that we learn. And every day the teacher would sign those words. and um, And you would think that like, well, since they're not speaking... How am I going to understand what they're signing to me? But the thing is that, like, you have that sheet of paper in front of you. 
They're like, okay, the first word is apple. So you sign the word apple. The second sign is, I don't know, fish. You sign the word fish. So you learn word by word every day. And then after you learn it, you play games. And often the games involve, you know, other signs. But then you kind of pick it up because it's not... Sign language is not like American English where there's all of these articles, there's like all of these, you know, prepositions prepositions to prep for the thing. And then you have your subject, verb, how does it go? go? Subject, Subject, verb, object, object, like in that order. And there's like, there's predicates and all those other extra stuff to fill in one sentence. It's not like that. American Sign Language is, you take out all of those filler words and you kind of just go directly to the, the, the key concept, right? So if you're going to say, like, I eat an apple, then you just sign apple eat, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's always the... Because it's obvious you were doing it. Yeah, it's obvious you're doing it. So you just, you, you take out all the fillers, like I said. So it's quite straightforward. But then there are words, there are descriptive or classifiers that is used to describe something. Is an apple, an apple is red? Is it juicy? Is it hard? Those kind of things. So there are descriptive words. Mm-hmm. But... It's just, like I said, it's really fun because every day you kind of, it's the only class that I look forward to every day because you go in there and you have a good laugh and you, you kind of just play. (laughs) It's like a play date with a bunch of friends, you know, Mm -hmm. and I really enjoy that. Do you end up coming up with example sentences, kind of like Duolingo, where they're sometimes super weird? Yeah, we do have a textbook. There is a mm-hmm. textbook that we, we we follow as well. And normally we learn grammars. We learn how sentences are structured. We learn, uh, like I said, descriptive words. We learn how to use classifiers to describe something. We learn poetry. There's poetry. I mean, like, American Sign Language is as complex as any language out there. You mm-hmm. know, there's, there's morphology. There's phonology. There's syntax. There's... All sorts of anything that exists in a spoken language exists in an American There's an sign analogy language. for it. Yeah. And and that's the thing. So yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, um I don't know. Do you want to talk more about American Sign Language? I d I don't know. It well, was fun. It was a fun class. That's mm-hmm. all I have to say. Well, I, I do know like uh, linguistically I, I might I majored in linguistics because I I failed too many physics and math classes to have that be a key focus well, of my education how, that's how we met right because of our linguistic classes <clears throat> mm-hmm. so linguistically uh it's very interesting that you brought up that sign language uh drops a lot of those filler words quote unquote uh-huh. um and a lot of those are necessary in spoken language because you cannot necessarily hear people very accurately uh-huh. like there might be wind there might be not talking t- like straight on they might be yelling um and it's hard to kind of hear things without any obstruction like a car might drive by and you're still able to understand what i'm saying or you are listening over a podcast and you can't necessarily see my lips moving but you can still understand the words that are coming out and that's because we have a lot of um duplicate information to kind of reinforce what you did here so that way as you're listening you're going to be missing information along the way Mm -hmm. and then extra words are going to backfill that information so that you know what you did here was accurate. Yeah, that's part of the context, right? Like 
Mm -hmm. So, for instance, that's the reason why we have uh, the accordance of, like, subject and verb, like, verbs conjugate, is because you might not hear the subject, but you'll hear the conjugation, or you might not hear the conjugation, but you'll hear the subject. So, they reinforce each other. Um, But if you're not relying on, like, sound to Mm -hmm. get an idea across, you can skip a lot of that. Like, sign language is done face-to-face. It's not done over a huge distance where you need yeah. 20 glasses to make sure that you're seeing it accurately. It's like, no, uh, the information space is much denser because you're using visual information rather than auditory information, which is very linear. Like, you just have a wave that's going up and down, and as that wave changes, it's a different sound. But with visual, you can see the person in their entirety do something, so you can skip a lot of that. Um, and as a result, you can even simplify it down to like one hand and you don't even need to do like a whole body expression to mm-hmm. get an idea across. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why you can like drop a lot of those things out. And it made me, uh, remember that other languages do this as well. Like Japanese, for instance, has a very simple phonology. It's consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel. So it's often very clear to hear what someone is saying, which means that you can, as a result, drop out a lot of unnecessary words. Um, and that's why Japanese grammar, at least, is a lot simpler than English grammar. Like, you don't have a whole ton of uh, extra bits that you need to reinforce and have duplicate information along the way so you can get by with fewer words. Mm-hmm. So, that was my tidbit as the linguistics uh major from 10 years ago uh the little information i still remember because i don't use it at all in my day-to-day life yeah it's been a good 10 years since i last used it but Mm -hmm. i would like to get back to it because i know especially if we start if we start having like a child in the future or whatever like i would like to teach them sign language you know because you learn to communicate earlier through signs and hand movement gestures Mm -hmm. earlier than you learn to develop your like vocals and such and speak right Mm -hmm. i I mean it's the brain is ready the vocal cords are not just not yeah so it's like you do not have the ability to make those sounds even no matter how much you try like Mm -hmm. that has to develop still yeah but your brain is ready it's been listening to sounds this whole time Mm -hmm. like it understands things far earlier than uh than you are able to say them uh, so like signing like as long as you can move your arms you can start signing yeah um and like sign and like for people who don't know sign language like they often think like oh you're just moving your hands around you're just waving it around like you know you're just making- <laughs> flailing <laughs> yeah but but there there's structures to things mm-hmm. there's you know and different languages have different structures right i know for sign language like to start learning sign language there are five parameters that you kind of have to learn in order to learn sign language, right? So one of them is uh, hand shape. How are you shaping your hands to mean certain things, right? Mm-hmm. So like if I have a closed fist, that mean, that's a hand shape. Or if I, my hand is extended out, like where my fingers are extended out, that's a hand shape. Like the overall of what it looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have movement. Like, does the sign involve movement from one location to another? Um, movement can also be, like, repetitiveness. Use, often movement is used to carry across the meaning of something's being repeated, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you have 
orientation? Is the hand, is my palm facing you? Is my palm facing me? Is it facing downward or upward, right? Mm -hmm. All of that means something, right? Um, you have location. Is the sign in front of me? Is it by my chin? Is it on my head? Is it on my shoulder? Or, it, you know, mm -hmm. or is it like, Am I extended outward? That kind of idea. So the space around me or in front of me is part of that mm -hmm. right? location. And then the last thing you have is expressions or what they'll call like, yeah, non-manual signals or usually like facial expressions. Like, are your eyebrows raised as you're signing? Is your head tilted a little? Are your mouth, are your lips like slightly open? Or, you know, are you making any movement with your lips? So all of these together would carry out a story or a meaning you know and often mm -hmm. you, you don't just really use one or the other like you don't they all choose stack. you don't choose they all stack they all work together to get something across i mean kind of like intonation in english i'm mm -hmm. having dinner versus i'm having dinner yeah uh are two very different utterances like yeah. they mean different things even though the words are exactly the same mm -hmm. um and as you mentioned you have all these different facets like a word uh, or a sign, I should say, not well, a word morphologically speaking, mm -hmm. uh, might have a certain number of these things that it needs to check off to be valid. Mm. But you might not need all of them in every context, which means that you do have that repetitive nature of reinforcing, like having duplicate information. Like it has to be here facing you with this orientation. Mm -hmm. You can leave out one of those things and it'll still mean the same thing. But it will be more sloppy mm -hmm. in a way, yeah. less proper, yeah. but the meaning will get across. And the meaning getting across is all language cares about at the end of the day. So by having these multiple things you need to check off, it means that you can leave out any one of those things oftentimes and still get the meaning across. And that plays the same thing, same role as filler words in like spoken language. So, yeah. Yeah. An interesting thing that we learned while we were learning sign language and its linguistics is that like it takes very little time for a language to develop right mm -hmm. i think around the time when we were still in school which was like what 10 years ago like i think one of the youngest sign language that was being studied was nicaragua nicaraguan sign language yeah, yeah. Where they were studying, uh, and this is like in sort of like village, smaller villages and such, where they were observing children of, you know, deaf children. And and they have established a school there and stuff to observe these kids on to see like, and they don't go and interfere because they wanted to see like, how does the language evolve, right? How it was does, a rare occurrence was, to learn how language right, starts Right, because it was so young that they were able to observe mm -hmm. that while it was developing and they were saying how it only takes about one to two school years difference mm -hmm. to really evolve the Cohorts language yeah to really evolve the language to a complete um and more complex usage of it mm -hmm. right yeah so to give a little bit of background uh this was a community of genetically deaf mm -hmm. people that were shunned yeah um and uh what happened was they were encouraged to join a school at a young age um and they weren't given instruction in terms of like how to sign this sign language or how to sign that language they were more or less just allowed to be amongst themselves yeah among the the same people yeah right? same age group same yeah. cohort of students um not necessarily the same age group but same they came in at the same time yeah um and what they quickly established was a set of gestures that 
were like had common meaning like if you do this gesture it means this object mm -hmm. if you do that gesture it means do this thing um and they were able to establish that without communicating with another language to get that through like our brains will just pick up patterns like you see someone do something you can do it too mm -hmm. right so and, and to and just point that out and to point this out that um when when they brought in these children to the school like it wasn't, uh, they have, like, they had their own home signs to begin with. Like, all mm -hmm. these kids have to they somehow. They were all distinct. They have to somehow communicate with their family already, right? So they have developed their own language already or among the family. Mm -hmm. So then when they bring all these kids in, they all have their own distinct, distinct set of signs gestures. that they would use themselves. Mm -hmm. And so when you play, bring in a bunch of these kids with different knowledge of how, they communicate, it kind of all come together, and then over time, it that, mm -hmm. you know, collectively just develop into something real. You yeah, know? so that's why it's important to talk about it in cohorts, because that first group, they were starting from just what they had known that they developed themselves. Yeah, like, yeah. I need, I'm thirsty, they would do something. Perhaps some would touch their throat. Perhaps some would gesture something that has very little to do with water, but that mm -hmm. just meant, that just... Or maybe meaning. the the action of drinking. Like, yeah. How do you drink? You you grab a cup. Grab a cup and you bring it to mm -hmm. your mouth. So that action, it could so, have been any of that. Something that is very visual. Very visual and very gestural. Yeah. Um, and that's like a very important first stage. And actually, spoken language actually has a lot of those components. Like you gesture when you talk. Like you can't see me doing this, but uh, take a take a look at someone who's giving a a lecture. They're mm -hmm. always going to gesture with their hands. Uh, and do something. It's an integral part of how a language develops. So it's more or less automatic, that mm -hmm. part. Now, the second cohort that came in, they now have an elder group to mimic. To mimic, exactly. And yeah. they can mimic and adapt that to be, make more sense. They can start to build rules where there were no rules before. Mm -hmm. It was just haphazard. Oh, the drinking can be either raise a glass to your lips or touch your throat or any other combination of things. If you have 20 students, you're gonna have 20 different variations of that. Um, so the next generation will pick like which versions of that make the most sense to them. Yeah. Um, and then the third generation will pick of that what makes even more sense. And how can we adapt and start to use that as an analogy for something else. And all of that happens so automatically generation to generation and cohort to cohort like not even a full like generation of you growing up old yeah, enough not to have kids not, not no, that just, type of generation just like a new a new cohort coming of, in is can be considered a generation like mm -hmm. it's just because a they're new just learning back. from the previous groups that mm -hmm. are there uh, and they're evolving it very quickly so whenever you see like kids these days inventing their new language they're doing the same exact thing with spoken language Except we have rigid institutions in place to course correct it back to the norm, quote unquote. But language evolves really quickly just by being there. Um, and in a matter of just a few years, you have a full language that can that can describe all sorts of experiences and feelings and emotions out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's like super cool. Yeah. So that that was like a super rare glimpse into how our brains develop language because it's not necessarily something that has to be there previously but we can build on that very quickly and in a matter of years just have something that is as complex as any other mm -hmm. yeah. uh, going back to the very beginning of this episode uh you mentioned funnily enough that when you went to ucsd and you wanted to take vietnamese they like had a hard question it's like well you know enough to to speak but you can't write and so on and so forth 
Um, and when I went, I had a very similar conundrum because I just spent a year in Japan. So I therefore spoke and understood Japanese, though it was very broken. Like it was, I did not learn properly. I learned by assimilation, much like the, the kids learning how to sign. Uh, and therefore, um, it was in an awkward spot where I could not take advanced courses because I was missing like primary, like basic yeah, knowledge. Yeah, the fundamentals of the uh -huh. language. But they would not let me take the fundamental ones. Like I was happy to start from like Scratch, year one, yeah. but they would not let me do that because that would have been an easy, um, grade, an easy grade. And they didn't want to encourage that. So they basically said I could not study Japanese, which I found like, it defeats the, huh? the, the whole <laughs> purpose of what a, an educational yeah i should have just lied yeah. and said i didn't speak anything but you shouldn't have to lie like they should mm -hmm. not honestly school should not turn people away from wanting to learn mm -hmm. despite you getting an easy grade or whatever mm -hmm. you know so uh as a result I, I was on the same floor i turned went to the elevators and noticed the chinese apartment was right there so i learned chinese as a result they didn't care they didn't care they're happy to take me yeah. Um. And much like you, it was a, an extra two classes or whatever to get a minor yeah. in Chinese studies. So I was like, sure, I'll learn more about Chinese stuff. Uh, so I got a minor in Chinese studies. Yeah. And we met in an actual linguistics class. Yep. Yeah. It was the linguistics of French, a language I am fluent in and a language Lynn was not expecting. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing was, uh, it was... Uh, I missed, I, I skipped the first day of class because usually the first day of class is not good. Lynn was an excellent student, as you can see. I was. So, oh, I was a horrible student in college. I did really well in high school, but college I did so poorly. But I, I didn't go to the first day of class. So then I went the second day and then I was like, okay, this lady's talking about all sorts of stuff that I had no, she was speaking English, but I did not understand what she was saying. And then I was like, whatever, a week goes by and I'm like, still don't understand what she's saying. And she's talking about, like, all these European languages or whatever she was talking about. I have no idea what she was talking about. And then eventually she got to French. And I was like, I know she's talking about French, but I still don't know what she's talking about. And there was a girl in the class, uh, Candy, I think that was her name. Mm -hmm. Don't know. Who was your friend. But yeah. I knew her from something. I think I knew her from a different linguistics class. I don't remember, really. But... I knew her a little bit. So then um, she started show she stopped showing up to class. So then I was like, I knew you guys talk. So then I was like, one day I like, oh, I on on our way out. And this was like second weeks in of class. And I was still so lost because mm -hmm. in my mind, I was waiting. Okay, this is a class for linguistic, like sign language, because that's why I signed up for mm -hmm. it. It's the linguistics of sign language, right? Yeah. But I, there was nothing relating to sign language, so I thought, and since at the beginning she didn't, the teacher didn't really mention, didn't really talk about French language, didn't really talk about all these other languages, which she brought in as examples. So then she started talking about French, I was like, okay, well at the beginning she was talking about a different language, now she's talking about French, so maybe There's every Italian, week, Spanish, every week was just going to be maybe a different language and eventually she'll get to American Sign Language. So I waited out, two weeks went by, and I stopped seeing this girl that showed up in class that I kind of know, that Dimitri knows. So then one day coming out of class, I kind of stopped by him, and I was like, hey, what happened to this girl? Mm -hmm. Because my initial thought was, I'm going to need help, and I want to talk to this girl. <laughs> I want to see, like, did I get the wrong class, or, like, is there something going on? But she stopped showing up. And so I asked Dimitri, and Dimitri was like, 
what did you I, I have no clue <laughs> you, you had no clue and then i so then we started talking and then i realized i was in the wrong class the whole time but i couldn't drop anymore because the, the drop the line the drop deadline was already passed mm-hmm. so and that's how we got to know each other and he volunteered to help me with uh with french because i was in the wrong class <laughs> and she was cute <laughs> was I? Yeah. Oh. So yeah, he helped me with the class. I don't remember if I got an A or a B. I, you better I, have gotten an A after I, I helped you. I might have gotten an A minus, but and by help he helped. Like he he literally, literally taught her everything. Literally, like help. showed me his homework, and he's like, "This is what I'm doing. This is how I did it." You kind of kind of just <laughs> copy it. So I kind of did that. But yeah, so yeah, and that's how we met. Academic now, integrity at work. <laughs> and now, ten years later, and we're still together. And do I know French? No. Does he know sign language? No. We both know Chinese, not really. <laughs> <laughs> and we've invented our own language. <laughs> yes, broken Japanese is the <laughs> language. Uh, but yeah, so the, to explain the misunderstanding, the class was. Uh, the study of linguistics in so-and-so language and so-and-so language changes every semester. Yeah. Um, so uh, Lynn had an old version of the catalog that said it was the study I of sign language. S- I swear, that was, that's what I signed up for. So. Yep, same class, I feel like language. they should just take these catalogs off once the school season is over, you know? If it's a different year, get rid of it. They do, but if you already have it, they can't do much about it. I that. didn't have it. I searched online. That's why I found that class. Oh, you found an old one. Yeah. That's why I was like, why? You know, how did I even get in the wrong class? And since I didn't show up to the first day of class, I don't have the syllabus for that class. You missed out why, completely. Which is why I had no idea what the class was about. Well, we never would have met. We never would have so. met. Yeah, so. No use complaining about it now. Yeah. I mean, I could have taken Chinese and we would would have would have probably met then but you didn't take chinese but i didn't take chinese so woulda coulda woulda woulda coulda shoulda coulda woulda <laughs> english bye bye everyone thanks for listening